0: Welcome to the JCN Clinic Podcast Show. I'm Jessica.
1: And I'm Carissa.
0: (laughs) And we are back together in 2021. We've brought you one podcast to date, but Carissa and I are officially back together to do a podcast, which is bloody awesome. (laughs) And um, we are going to be talking today about your gut lining, which is pretty cool uh, it's, and
1: kind of important
0: <laughs> well just a little bit right <laughs> mm, just it's, a little it's one of those things that we talk about every day in clinic just about with every client and um, for us sometimes I think we've talked about this with other topics we kind of skirt over it and don't really give it as much thought as far as like actually hang on maybe breaking this down further and um, putting it into some more simplified terms um, can be really beneficial. The way sometimes even us doing podcasts on breaking down what your poo looks like or whatever it's been in the past. (laughs) We're just like, we can't talk for like half an hour or more about X, Y, Z and then we just start talking and man, and there's an hour passed. So I think this is going to be one of those sorts of situations. Um, So what we want to talk about today is your gut lining, uh, helping you understand what we mean when we're talking about your gut lining. We want to talk about the, the sort of mucosal membrane that's so important within your gut. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the cells that are there um, and, and essentially um, the, the joins between them. <laughs> Um, the way <laughs> like the, in- names. <laughs> yes, I'm like holding off in suspense, holding suspense, of- holding suspense. <laughs> what could those joints be called? <laughs> <Yeah. Da-da-da-da. laughs> we're going to talk about the importance of the immune system and all of this. So we're going to talk about something that, um, is commonly called mucosal immunity, um, And we want to also talk a little bit about the relationship of all of this with your microbiome because um, it's very important and very symbiotic. And if we have some time, uh, we'll probably also just chat a little bit about things that you can do to support your gut lining uh, from a dietary point of view every day maybe if we're working with clients some of the things that we might do and also um maybe the supplement sort of front as you guys know if you've listened to a lot of our podcasts we don't like to give specifics there because you're all individuals so that is our absolute overview did you like that i don't think i usually <laughs> do an funny. overview but
1: no i don't think you do either <laughs> like you kind of maybe sum it up quickly but This is like, is this 2021, Chrissa and Jess getting their shit together with podcasts? (laughs) That's it. (laughs) We're getting our shit together, guys. We're pre, well, we're not even going to pre, we're pre-planning some of our topics. Mm -hmm. So we're not just jumping on. Jess is now giving overviews of what to expect. Oh my
0: God. We (laughs) have a shared Google document. We have a shared Google Doc, guys, with our topics, and at the moment it has one topic, (laughs) which is (laughs) today. One
1: topic, which is today, but hey, we're planning. We are planning. Um, If you guys didn't, you guys won't hear our take one of starting to record this podcast. But Jess actually used her last name when introducing herself, which made me lose my shit. Um,
0: (laughs) Threw it, threw it completely. It was just silence.
1: (laughs) Just totally, yeah. What I was going to say with the whole, like, gut lining thing is I think, A, the reason we probably haven't haven't done a podcast on it, or we've probably touched on it in other podcasts, but it's it's not something we take for granted, it's just something that we spend so much time talking about and, like, working with and stuff, that it's kind of that sort of second nature to us, like, it's still fascinating to us, it's just not as nitty-gritty to us anymore I guess as you know what things like once you get into bacterial species and overgrowths and and you know influencing the microbiome and all of that so I feel like yeah it's a good topic for us to cover because it's Mm. it's actually structurally and functionally so important in the gut but I think the other thing too is that there's so many terms that get thrown around hey with you know the gut micro, like the gut lining. Sorry, mm. not the gut microbiome, but the gut lining. And I think like so many people, like clients, come into me and they're like, "Oh, I've got leaky gut," yes. but they don't actually know what that means. Yeah you know quite commonly now like so what are some of the terms that you know leaky gut that's obviously talking about the gut lining. we'll talk about what leaky gut actually means as mm-hmm. as we get into that word that Jess alluded to <laughs> in the introduction <laughs> um, uh, we'll get into like so there's leaky gut we actually call it gut permeability yeah um, it's probably the more you know scientific term for it but probably the term that we probably use a lot more mm-hmm. but leaky gut is probably the more mainstream term that people would probably think of when they're thinking about any relationship to the gut lining
0: mm-hmm. absolutely for sure and you're right there'll be some terms that we'll probably talk about that people will be like "Ah, oh, right right okay but yeah. um good point it's just there's a lot that gets thrown around and understanding what that actually means is really means. important and when you're maybe coming in to see us or even thinking about your own health like if you're using words like leaky gut like what that actually refers to because sometimes we'll even get clients won't we will come in with their their forms filled out and their main reason for coming is their leaky gut. And it's just like, do you? Yeah. it's like unless (laughs) they've had some form of testing done or or something of the like I guess that's indicative of the culture we live in now in this space where people have too much information and don't really understand what's really going on so it's that Mm -hmm. self-diagnosis of like oh I need help with my leaky gut and it's just like do you do you really yeah yeah,
1: and that's I think that's the interesting thing I listened to a podcast last year and like the how much we know about the gut microbiome and the gut lining now has changed so much yeah. over the last probably five to 10 years that there's actually only a small percentage of people that have that chronic yeah. damage their gut lining. they actually do have exactly. leaky gut. Yeah. The rest of you have all just got an F'd up microbiome that we need to work yes. on. <laughs> probably yes. some inflammation happening.
0: <laughs> Sing it sister. <laughs> <laughs> no. Sing it work wife. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: missed me. <laughs> But it is true. Hey, and I was listening yeah. to this podcast. I can't even remember who well, it was because it ages ago. But I remember thinking this is so true because mm. we spent a lot of time working on the gut lining. Yeah. And we do know that obviously when we talk when we get into this, we do you know, we will talk about, you know, there is the um, you know, there are opportunistic bacteria that can pass through the gut lining and, and, and you know, environmental toxins and hormones and the recirculation of things, but a lot of that still doesn't necessarily indicate indicate an actual in inverted commas leaky gut. Yeah. So exactly. it's actually just a transportation through the gut lining via yep. chemical mechanisms that are actually meant to happen. So. For
0: sure. Well, let's start with talking about just the when we say the gut lining itself, like break it right down first to the fact that when we're talking about this lining, like we're often referencing sort of, I'd even take it back to even thinking about the gastrointestinal tract itself, like just people to mm. think about it first as far as like the opening of your mouth right through to your butthole. (laughs) Or
1: the opening of your bum.
0: (laughs) We've got this kind of essentially like this open tract, that we're having food and all sorts of matter realistically pass through consistently. So it's really the, what I kind of love, well, so many things I love about the gut, but, you know, this is sort of the only part of our body where we have like this passageway that's like a little bit of a, um, you know, it's a a window essentially between the Mm. external and the internal of the body but once we start getting into the the gut lining like often what we're meaning there more is about the intestinal tract itself so we're we're really referencing the small intestinal tract and the and the, the large intestinal tract or your large. lower bowel so when we speak the term lining we're referencing the cellular lining of that that gut, and the really cool thing about it is that it's really um, a, a single layer um, of cells that we call enterocytes, which is pretty freaking amazing. Like, it blows my mind that we have this like cellular layer and it's like this um, barrier well, one part of the barrier between us on um, the external to the internal. So mm-hmm that alone blows my mind. And I think that's really important to think about, but then sitting on top of this, um, this cellular layer of all these little cells lined up, um, is this mucosal lining, which we are going to be obviously talking a lot about. So we've got the gut, when we talk about gut lining, usually we're using as a little bit of an overall term, um, definitely thinking though I know for myself when I'm using that I'm just kind of probably putting words in Chris's mouth but when I think about the gut lining I'm thinking about those those cells Mm -hmm. um, and sort of the entirety of everything that's going on there but inclusive of that mucosal lining Mm -hmm. but when we start talking and referring to the mucosal lining itself we're actually referencing this amazing Mm -hmm. mucus lining that layers the gastrointestinal tract and what that's Doing essentially is help with so many, so many things, so many amazing things. But it's forming a protective barrier, and that's obviously super important because we have this singular um, cellular layer and this mucosal yep. lining is creating this um, this really, really important barrier. Yep. You go. Yeah. I'll take a breath. Say, you like, go. Like, yeah, I, <laughs> I feel like I'm getting ex- like overly excited. I
1: know. I know. I know but like. It is. It's, I think the thing that I kind of reference it to for my clients, just so they really get a grasp of how amazing this kind of, I just love the actual enteric layout part so much because I say to people, I'm like. It's so sick. It's, it's, I know, we're sickers, aren't we? But, <laughs> but like I just said to people, picture a sausage. Like when you go to the shop and you get a sausage, <laughs> that the sausage is stuffed in is what we're talking about. It is so thin yet yeah. so tough. You know what I mean? And that is solely responsible. I know this is kind of gross to a lot of people, but that is, and you'll never eat sausages again, but that is solely responsible for stopping any sort of food, toxins mm-hmm. or anything like that going out into your circulation and likewise, you know, things coming in. So this tiny little tightly knitted together bunch of cells are literally what's holding you between life and death. No. <laughs>
0: not to freak everyone out and like you have to take really light steps every day otherwise it'll just burst apart
1: (laughs) I sometimes use that analogy with constipation with my clients when they're not that concerned about being constipated I'm like let me talk to you about sausages
0: (laughs) (laughs) really really overpacked. have you ever made sausages by hand I did a sausage making course once and when you overfill that sausage, case, sausage casing, <laughs> it's not pretty.
1: It's not pretty, guys. So just remember that's why it's so important that you're not blocked up. Oh, God.
0: Oh, my God. Totally off topic. Okay. No, so on topic. Um, <laughs> wiping away the tears. It's true, though. It's a good analogy. It's so true. Oh, So uh... we have this... Well, you have this cellular layer as Carissa has just highly pointed out and, and, and the importance of that cellular layer. And then we have this mucosal lining as well, which is this protective barrier. So I think what we want to do here is talk about the, the role and the relationship between the two of these, because it's such a, um, again, symbiotic relationship, you know, you, you, they're, they're going to be interplaying all of the time. So, if we talk, I guess first about the lining, those those cells lining the actual um, that creating that cellular sort of singular cellular lining. If I can get my words out properly, <laughs> it's not it's not just all the same cells. Like we've got mainly the enterocytes along there, but we also have other cells that are sitting along on that layer, and they're referred to as goblet cells, which I love that name. I love that word as well. It makes me
1: look, look, look like, that. and if anyone, if you guys can't see what I'm doing, I'm making this motion with my hands
0: right now, this little goblin thing eating things. <laughs> but the name is, I love it. Cause yeah, it's just like, like this gob, yeah. Like a little, like, well, like a little goblet thing. We're doing the, yeah. the hands things together, but the this goblet is- cell has a really important role in, um, Secreting a lot of that mucus, which we see forming that mucosal lining, so that straight away is showing how we're getting that interplay between that really important cellular lining producing a lot of the actual matter that makes up that that mucousy um, layer that's protective for us. So think about them sort of studded along the way throughout the other little enterocytes. And then on the enterocytes too, we've got, which I'm sure a lot of you have heard um, before, maybe, is something we call villi. Um, do you want to talk about villi? I bet you've got some like fun. Oh, she's like, yeah, she's waving a little sausage fingers. I don't
1: know. <laughs> Speaking of sausages, yeah, guys. <laughs> you... Well, like villi, I would just explain villi to people like kind of like just the, the like seagrass I know that yes. that's weird but, no, no, but I always say to people like picture like your kind of gut like I've got so many analogies for yep. gut but I say picture the ocean floor and underneath like the ocean floor like you have beneath, like, the sort of sand, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, so you kind of picture the sand, like, the ocean, the mucosal layer, do you know what I mean? So there's so much, like, happening. And then below that is, like, who knows what's below that, really. But but underneath that is obviously your stomach lining. So that's the seabed, and then you've got the sand kind of thing. That's mucosal layer. And then you've got all these beautiful little grasses, like these Mm. little seaweeds, do you know what I mean? And they're just, they're just obviously there, like, through all the, like, the intestinal, the gastrointestinal tract. And they're just there, like, performing, like, well, so many different things. Like they help, they deal with like nutrient absorption and break, helping break things down and vitamins and stuff like that. They help sweep. Like mm-hmm. they're kind of just like, um, I call them little sweepers, like do, 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 do. Yeah,
0: sweeping we everything to, along.
1: We need to, Um, we need to actually like, have video recordings for these kind of things. <laughs> yeah, we do, don't we? <laughs> but probably like seagrass is the next layer of the analogy, yeah. right? Do you know they're, what I mean? So we've kind of got yeah. this mucus thing and then we've got our little microvilli and they're kind of in there, yeah, doing cool shit.
0: And they, <laughs> As Carissa said, they they think of them like a um a, a very important passageway for um bringing through nutrients and absorption absorption of nutrients um even from like a food digestive component level and it's a, a way that um to think about this too and that's why I think some people have heard of villi is something classically like celiacs um like will dead. have a really profound effect on the villi and really corrode them down which is why people often end up with these nutrient deficiencies chris is raising <laughs> a finger i will pause so
1: there celiac-, <laughs> celiac disease is when the dugongs come along and oh,
0: of course it is <laughs>
1: I should write kids books. Oh,
0: oh there, there's such a thing there for that, man. But also if you take a microscopic look at a villi, it actually has its own little flow of lymphatics. So one oh, of the things so we're also cool. going to be talking about is um, the immune systems interplay in all of this. So uh, when you look at a villi, you've got like this, this porti- portability of these nutrients that are coming through but there's there's also this lymphatic passageway as well, which has a huge role that it plays with the immune system too, um, which is so massive and big and why we talk about your immune system being seated within your gut. So, God, we, Avila...
1: Commonly known as... Commonly <laughs> known as the gastric-associated lymphoid tissue.
0: Galt. 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 So we start to see even when we go in further and further in these little villi or these little seaweeds that are projecting up into that mucus lining that they have this ability to not only absorb passing by nutrients but they have other capabilities as far as an immune system into play and then starting to su- survey and uh, well sorry they don't really do that as much there's some other things going on we'll talk about that survey but have this ability to communicate with the immune system within that mucosal lining or a lot of what's happening with the bacteria within that mucosal lining. So just to sort of summarize that, so I think we've got, our, we've got our enterocyte layer, that singular layer. We've got these little goblet cells along the way secreting mucus to create our lovely mucosal lining. And then we've got these little villi or the little seaweeds that are sprouting up into it. <laughs> so before we even get into what's underneath that again, which um, I don't think is even sort of talked about enough. So it will be really cool to talk through that with you guys. As we've said, we've got this mucus layer. So that mucus layer, it's it kind of grosses people out, I guess, when you start talking about <laughs> mucus layer. Um, It is so vital for so many reasons. One, we've said it's protective. Um, Also, it is a very important layer for where a lot of our bacteria will um, sort of sit and thrive. And certain bacteria uh, have a super important relationship with this mucus. And some some of these types of bacteria actually consume the mucus or parts of the mucus as fuel. Um, and some of these bacteria um, we know through current research are really important species as far as the the health of the gut overall so for us when we start um, working with clients and using functional testing it's really fascinating when we start to see signs of really low levels of some of these bacteria probably the standout is good old Acomantia which we're always going on about but there's there's more than that but when we see low levels of something like that and then we see other markers of inflammation at a gut level um, that can start to allude to this um, problematic area as far as the the mucus in your gut. So really, if we have a mucus lining that's lovely and plump um, and providing that fuel for bacteria uh, and providing that protective layer things are pretty sweet, they're pretty awesome, but what can happen is that we, if we have uh, a lower abundance of some of these bacteria that are vital for the, the, the good relationship of that mucosal lining and its production, um, or we have an overgrowth of certain types of bacteria that might actually degrade that mucus and eat it too much, we can start to sort of eat away at that mucus. And Also, we know that inflammation, like chronic ongoing inflammation, can also have a pretty profound effect on that mucosal lining and even the sort of secretion of the mucus. Um, One of the things that always fascinates me, and I love telling clients just to try and make them take control of their stress, is that with ongoing high cortisol, we actually get an impediment of secretion of some of these really important regulators of mucus so there's it's it's not always about um, as we're always talking constantly about too it's not always about just what's going on locally we've got to think about systemically what's going on in the body and also affecting that layer but what I'm trying to get across is that if we can have um, a layer that is corroded and um, damaged, and think of that nice mucus layer starting to kind of almost have these sink pits that start to happen. And instead of there being this protective layer, we're gonna en- enable matter, whether that be bacteria, debris, or as Chris has said earlier on, it can be um, hormones, breakdown of hormones, it can be um, toxins, anything internally being produced or in um, something they've ingested instead of that layer there being protective, it can get through that mucus, through that kind of funnel and go straight towards that enterocyte um, area. Then depending on what's happening <laughs> with those cells at that layer is where we start to see more of a problem. So if, if that mucose, say those cells are all fine and hunky-dory, just that mucus layer Chris is being distracted majorly by her dog in the background. If that I'm mucus. Stop her barking. Yeah, don't bark, they
1: don't bark.
0: If that mucus layer has been compromised in general and we don't have that um, lovely fuel and interplay there for our bacteria, we're already going to be running into problems. We're already going to be having imbalance, um, imbalance of different bacteria within the microbiome and already going to see as a result of that often um, all sorts of symptoms going on. But it doesn't mean, as Carissa was saying, that you have leaky gut. It means that your mucosal lining is either um, quite damaged and I will use the word almost like corroded down. So we we don't have that nice plump, lovely layer, like you've popped some nice... um, Botoxy cream on your lips or something (laughs) (laughs) or it can actually be overstimulated too which we'll talk about when we we go to the immune system but I want people to understand that that is one element of what we see and we I would say we see a lot of that mucosal Mm. activation or aggravation and the interplay Mm. of what's going on with bacteria there more so than then that next layer, which becomes the leaky gut or gut permeability, where the cells start to be um, affected in, at that enterocyte level, compromised, <laughs> compromised,
1: compromised. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what we can then have, which maybe I'll hand over to you, is we can have these enterocytes become permeable. And yep. what we were going to mention there, as I alluded to earlier, <laughs> was the tight junctions, the junctions between junctions. the cells.
1: Yeah, exactly. So uh, Jess's explanation of that was amazing.
0: Why, thank but you. It was
1: really good. I was like, I'm not even going to cut you off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that means a lot.
1: Yeah, I'm just going to let her go. I'm not going to stick my little nose in an office and offer some extra information here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, So what we have then when we're getting down and we're talking about like the, you know, the enteric cells and all of those guys kind of, it's hard. Like, again, wish you guys could see a visual, but basically how I explain (laughs) it to my clients is basically think of it like weaving. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And if you get your hands together and you kind of join your fingertips into the knuckles, like, and look at it, like, you know how you used to kind of do like, oh, look that actually could be villi if you go like that and then there's the (laughs) oh my god I've just I've just got a new thing to show all my clients um but basically like I just say to people or just make two fists with your hands and then push your knuckles together like and think of that like how tightly knitted together those cells are like Mm -hmm. just it's almost like this tapestry that is just you know keeping everything with that mucosal lining inside Mm -hmm. so that and all of those bacteria and everything that happens in the gut inside and what actually happens when the, you know, like the mucosal lining starts to become damaged and corroded, as Jess was saying, inflamed, and there's, you know, there's increased like immune activity, increased inflammation, and all of that happening at that mucosal level, and it does start to become more broken down, is that it's kind of like it creates a passageway for bacteria and pathogens and, you know, environmental toxins, whatever it may be, to actually now become come into contact with that you know the actual the actual gut lining and that's definitely not what we want because what happens then is that they they start to then what we call they can they can break down and some of bacteria can actually continue to feed so it's kind of like they not only do they feed their way through the mucosal and they start feeding on the, on the on the enteric cells and and the and the knitting together of that tapestry and what actually happens then with inflammation and bacteria and all of that is that they can actually then start to break down those cellular matrices that bind those cells so tight together mm-hmm. and that when that starts to happen in these tight gap junctions start to actually kind of break apart a little bit that's what we call leaky gut or gut permeability because instead of those cells being impermeable which means not able to have things pass through unless obviously allowed but not actually able to have things pass through um, is that you call we have them we have like permeability so they actually become like things can actually start passing through them so that's probably the easiest way to say it like your gut is meant to be impermeable like mm-hmm. your gut lining is, you know to a degree meant to be mostly impermeable but then as soon as you know you have breakdown of those the, that cell those cell junctions and the, that nice weaving of that tapestry where those cells are nicely knitted together it becomes permeable so exactly. in, in yeah. essence things that aren't meant to be able to be up getting through that and getting out and doing all the things it actually changes the complete biological function of the gastrointestinal tract
0: mm-hmm. and
1: we, what we have there is what we call a leaky gut or gut permeability as i was saying but you also get an um an increase in zonulin which obviously is zonulin. how do you explain zonulin i always kind of say it's an enzyme
0: it's a protein
1: a protein yeah, yeah. okay cool And that is kind of raised in response to this attack on the, you know, the tight gap gap junctions. So if you really, like, want to test for gut permeability or leaky gut, these are the markers that you actually want to be looking at. So you can have raised secretory IgA, you can have gut inflammation that shows in various, you know, immune markers and and various, you know, or even through scopes and stuff like that. It still doesn't mean unless you, you know, you have this increase in zonulin um, and, you know, that you necessarily have leaky gut. Did yeah. I explain that right there? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, cool, yeah. to get it out correctly. And you're right, <laughs> I, that actually
0: is good to end on there because I was just thinking about that, like, testing-wise. So if people are like, well, how do we know if it's happening? And there are right. there's certain things that we can see in functional testing that might hint towards it, like you just mentioned, or like I mean, what's the IGA doing, what's the level of Acomasia and some of these other really important things species doing but that's still not concrete information and I know there's even when you look at zonulin like there's still there's question, question marks like around even zonulin Great. but it is to date probably one of the kind of the best markers that we have um and it's its relationship with that that sort of permeability of those tight junctions um I think we've talked about before, so I won't go into a heaps. I think when we talked about gluten, um, that, that that's where really zonulin was discovered. That mm. it was it was seen that when people are eating gluten, that it's actually um, upregulating zonulin, and then you're getting that crosstalk between zonulin and those tight junctions, which open those um those, those areas that should be nice and tight, and allowing that flux of things to to essentially pass through. So the sort of concept there being that like, if, if that's happening, um, you know, there's some people just like, oh my God, we should all not eat gluten. And, but really it comes down to each individual and how their, their gut is dealing with that. But that, that, that was sort of where zonulin first came up in the space of, of gluten and celiacs, but it's, it has become, it's sort of moved further and become, as you said, like a a, a good one that we can test for, um, the thing is that, which sort of brings us to the next topic in this, is that if you have a healthy gut, generally, um, not a perfect gut because no one has a perfect gut, but okay. if you do have something like that happen, like let's say even for for argument's sake with something like zonulin, eating gluten, blah, 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 blah. Um, once we get that passageway um, of maybe an extra sort of flux of these um yeah whether it's bacteria debris or toxins or the things that we've talked about it's going to pass through into the bloodstream on the other side um in the majority and the, the first thing that's going to to hit is these immune cells um there's a whole lot of other stuff that's going to be going on there it makes it sound really simplified but for for the sort of talk of today the most important thing we're going to see is that on on the sort of other side of these interior sites, this is where a lot happens from a trigger point of view. So we can have things essentially pass through. And if your immune system is pretty robust on the other side, um, it it may be able to very easily deal with maybe a little bit more of an inflammatory cascade. It can kind of clean that up, work's done, fine. I often say to my clients, it's like someone who... um, who has a couple of drinks and is a good detoxifier and feels fine the next day, you know? Or well, what? Are you? <laughs> I hate you, whoever you are, because that's not me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was literally just laughing. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly. Jess is saying that to gritted teeth. <laughs> yeah, he's
0: like, I hate you all. But I often, I often will use that as as an analogy. But the problem, the problem here lies is that. If you already have a lot of inflammation going on in your gut and then you have something like this permeability that's happening as well, it's a different story because usually with something like that, your immune system is already in. on. Yes, it's either already really overly triggered and think of that um, other, you know, again, that sort of underworld or other side. Um, instead of there just being a couple of like immune cells cruising around doing their thing it's just like fully overactivated. it's just like ready at arms like just reacting at absolutely everything. So you can get this like over exaggerated response which is you know we feel that as like a, a horrible inflammatory flux in the body whether that be locally within the guard or, expressing through into like a fatigue or rashes or all the sorts of things we talk about when we're relating back to gut immunity um, or the opposite that we can see too is that we can actually have a completely overwhelmed immune system that usually usually almost think of this like um, you know your nervous system where something's been going on for so long And it's just been just pushing and pushing for so, so long. It's got nothing left in the tank. And we end up in a bit of a more immune fatigue point of view where that that immune system just doesn't really have much left to give. And it doesn't have the sort of capabilities to deal with what's fluxing through as well. So you can can definitely see two sides to what can happen Mm -hmm. there. Both aren't great. Um... I guess, as far as the symptom picture, like usually if someone's got an overactive response going on, um, we'll tend to see definitely as always a lot of inflammation, but these are the people that we'll see, um, that may have like, you know, this is hard because it's a bit stereotypical, but (laughs) they, they, they may actually be getting things like histamine type responses. Um, a lot of like Headaches and, and and sort of migraines and and those sorts of symptoms, um, they may um, they are they, sort of that more sort I of just, yeah you go.
1: I kind of I kind of explain it like the difference between the two as pinging and just not do you know what I mean like I think when it's the same with the nervous system like I'm mm-hmm. glad you said that there is a well. like I even say that to my like super anxious you know very reactive people like from a nervous system point of view but and the immune system will play into this anyway but like you have yeah like you have people whose nervous system is just kind of sitting there <laughs> breathing yeah. on the other side waiting for something and, it, and yeah. its response is so exaggerated so you eat something you get hives you have something you get a migraine you have something you know like the reaction is, is yeah. usually pr- pretty quick very reactive very exaggerated and you know and you, it comes up and then it might. Come Come back down. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So it's not always like this. Whereas when it's kind of the other side, it's more like these are these people that are just. It's almost like chronic fatigue of the gut and exactly. the Yeah, like you're just constantly getting sick. You never feel well. Your energy is yeah. never great. Like you pick up every fucking thing, and it lasts for. A, you know, a normal like a normal head cold that will last. You know, the 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 average person three days mm. or five days it lasts you two weeks do you know what i mean so you're just your your yeah. whole little body is just has been so inflamed and so you know aggravated for so long that it's it's run out of its reserves to ping it doesn't yeah. have its pingers anymore like they're, they're damaged <laughs> they're, shot, they're gone like-
0: <laughs> and i reckon that's one of the biggest defining differences between the two which relates again back to the immune system is usually about just this sort of getting yeah getting sick like the common cold or flu and if you're someone that's just constantly tired and you're getting sick all the time it is a classic sign of that um, immune system being overwhelmed for too long and not having that ability to fight and what we'll often see with those people if you do your um, general bloods is that you look at the breakdown of their white blood cells and most commonly it will be what I would call in an immune fatigue state it might be might not be out of range completely, but usually they're sitting off the top of my head. This is this is testing me. I think it's 3.6 or something it might start out with your white blood cells. And it'll just be skirting around there. And then you'll look at your neutrophils and it's like skirting at the bottom. Like you can see it's just like, oh my God, I've got nothing left. <laughs> yeah. I'm
1: holding in there and you, you know you're not chronically ill but yeah. you're definitely not amazing Oop. either. I think the other thing you said before which I I didn't want to interrupt but you made a really good reference to like sometimes this isn't gut-driven and it is stress-driven. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like and yeah. I think that's the really important for people to understand that you might be eating a really good diet that's, you know, whatever that is for you, whether it's, you know, gluten-free, dairy-free, macro-balanced, you know, high anti-inflammatory foods, you're exercising, you're doing all the things. That doesn't that doesn't mean you can stress your body out to the max. As as Jess explained before, stress will also impact these mucosal secretions, and it will also impact this mucosal lining. And the minute you start impacting that from more of a systemic point of view, the, the latter is the same downstream effects. Like your mucosal lining becomes impacted. We start to see a breakdown of that. We start to see a breakthrough of these bacteria and this damage to the, you know, the, the actual gut lining. And then and then it becomes this whole systemic reaction, which is completely mm. different as well. And that's what we start looking at autoimmunity starting to come in and play a bit of a picture too if you've got the predispositions for it is sometimes it's not you and it's not saying anyone does this intentionally obviously but sometimes this isn't a gut driven reaction initially sometimes it is and obviously we work so much in the gut space Mm. with food and food intolerances and inflammatory foods and all of that but sometimes this is a stress response do you know what i mean and it's a breakdown of the actual gut microbiome due to chronic prolonged stress yeah
0: yeah really good point and actually, you also mentioned there about some of those um, sort of autoimmune conditions and and so forth. But the the important other important aspect with what we're talking about here, when we get that um, passageway through, is that we're talking about what's going on in the bloodstream and that those cells that are sitting there and react and sort of having that erection. <laughs> I erection. Say erection just, instead of erection. erection. <laughs>
1: that's a new hashtag oh my god (laughs) an erection
0: imagine if cells could have erections imagine that
1: (laughs) oh my god they can't
0: (laughs) this is a passageway (laughs) this is like a highway right like that bloodstream okay Chris has totally lost it I'm just
1: picturing like if your cells could have erections you'd be walking around bumping into walls (laughs)
0: Oh maybe that's what the villi are, the oh thousands yeah, and millions of erections.
1: Yeah, oh God, help <laughs> our gut.
0: <laughs> but remember, this is a passage, like we're going into another kind of, not even a passageway, a highway, right? So this blood is in primarily, we've got lymphatic flow too, but that blood is, is a system of its own and it's off after that it's going to go to the liver first and then the liver I always say to my clients is central station of the body and then off it shoots everywhere everyone's woohoo we're going here I'm going here there's so much going on but this is how things travel very quickly systemically and this is why we talk about that communication from the gut to these other areas so we can get this sort of triggering of this like a, a immune activi- activity and activation in the gut, but it can very quickly move systemically. Those those increased inflammatory triggers that are like way too um, overly stimulated. It, it can, yes, it's happening in the gut, but it can very quickly move systemically depending on mm-hmm. your immune system's ability to deal with that locally. And this is where yeah. we see this constant interplay between the liver being burdened and then the liver being overburdened and then it's sort of flowing through and becoming like a fatigue on the whole body as Carissa was saying you know I always say to my clients again it's like having a cold all the time your immune system's so bloody busy dealing with all of this inflammation this like over over active response or we've talked about of course the under sort of active response too but it's Mm. like being sick all the time it's like no wonder you're tired all the time no wonder your body's screaming at you and it's just working at 150
1: percent behind the scenes and you're trying to make it function at 180 on the outside
0: exactly so the other thing too i just want to highlight because we're sort of we've referenced all of that in relation to like we're sort of talking about that in relation to permeability but it's not just gut permeability that will do that um gut permeability will definitely heighten all of what we've just talked about and i would say it's probably you know another serious layer but this can still this sort of triggering factor still goes on without gut permeability or leaky gut which is where it's important to define and that's because right back to that mucosal lining and those bacteria there and that lymphatic um, tissue we're talking about that that is so importantly intertwined through all of those um, villi there's a real communication between all of this and one of my favorite cells is (laughs) the dendritic cells which I think I've talked about before and I'm just going to say it again because I just have to say this reference but the dendritic cells are like the monsters in the upside down world in Stranger Things. So if you've seen Stranger <laughs> Things, you'll know what I'm it's talking about. Yes. <laughs> so wrap your head around that one. We've got these cells that they are on the other side of your enterocytes. They're on the un- they're in the upside down world in the blood, and they're like reaching through. This <laughs> we need a <our> camera. <laughs> yeah, no, we need a camera for this episode. honestly. They're because reaching so through. Much more out of it. And they're going into that mucosal lining and they're tasting things. And this is where I always think of Damien when I do this because when, <laughs> when we're in Italy, we're walking down this street and where we stayed for about four or five days. And there was this woman and she would stand outside her house. She just had no like minimal English and she was trying to just sell stuff to tourists. And you'd walk past her and she'd just go, taste, taste taste because she wants you to taste what she was selling but it was really loud so you just we'd be walking along talking these little quiet she straights and somebody here taste but <laughs> <And> i just <laughs> see these little dendritic cells they're just Weesh! tasting things but they're sampling they're tasting they're like oh hello what's going on here oh okay yep that's all right that's fine or like Oh my God, what's going on? Oh, what's happening here and it's happening over here and oh my freaking hell.
1: Mate, we've got a lot of bloody kids'
0: (laughs) And then it's sending that message to your immune system. And then your immune system is, as Carissa said, pinging off its head. It's like, what the F's going on? Oh my freaking God, this is insane. And then we get this inflammatory cascade because your immune system, it's. You know, it's it's smart, like a lot of these other symptoms and um, systems it systems. does things for a reason. And it creates this inflammatory cascade. It's trying to protect itself. But when that's happening all the time, we get all this inflammation. So I just want to I and mean, there's so much more that goes on than that. But I just want to say I want to explain that to people listening, because that can be very strong inflammatory response without there being permeability so it doesn't have to be permeability going on for all of the other things we we're just talking about but if you whack permeability on top of that then um it can be a real shit storm as well
1: yeah pretty much sums it up kids kids, kids book is coming we'll do a kids book for adults on the on the gut lining. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I feel like we've we've obviously we've talked about those major players, but I also feel like we've talked about a lot of the bad stuff and just probably <laughs> yeah, freaked know. everyone out. <laughs> but I Basically. guess just 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 to sort of um, sum it up before we talk about some of the beautiful things we can do for our for our gut lining. You know the positive side in all of this is that when it's working and it's all functioning oh, well, like you,
1: so much you can
0: do. You just cannot, you cannot, um, kind of emphasize enough how vital this obviously all is as far as your gut health, but your gut immune um, access and that relationship mm-hmm. through to your overall health. So, I think just to finalize this today. If you're looking at wanting to maximize your gut health um, or your gut lining in this area there's two there's two parts to this there's the people that already have gut issues um, and are sort of questioning maybe what's going on with their gut lining or might have had some functional testing done and there's a lot of inflammation that's going on and you know that's that's a lot. Like that's really hard for us, um, to just sort of give you some sort of blanket stuff to do there because it's so individual. And the reason for that is that it depends on what's driving the problem. Like, is it a microbiome issue? Like, is it bacterial? Um, is it some form of pathogen? Um, is it stress, you know, is it, is it a, um, is it an immune or an autoimmune component to things like it's it's very very hard which is why individualized care is so important to to give you some specifics there but I think what I would like to sort of talk about is what we can be doing generally on a day-to-day basis to support this and look surprise surprise it's it's nothing different from what we would usually tell you as far as your really important foundation of eating well and taking care of yourself But if you're bombarding your body with lots of booze and lots of refined food as far as lots of sugars and so forth, like, like as you've heard us talk about a billion times, it's not going to do the best for your microbiome long term. And if that's not happy, generally with time, your gut lining is not going to be happy at all either. So there's that foundational stuff that goes with that question. But when we start thinking about the that that lining, we are thinking about it laterally as far as it being lovely and slippery and mucusy to start with. So when we wanna support that, um, we are often going to encourage you to use things that have that type um, of element that they'll bring to the party. So this is where things like slippery elm are amazing because it has that um, mucus sort of, well, mucolages, mucolagous, however you say it. Mucilogenic. I don't know. Mucilogenic. <laughs> oh, my I don't, God. I'm like, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> that is like way off, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I
1: thought you were going to say mine was way off.
0: Like no, I don't, actually I don't know. seven or eight years. <laughs> Someone will be screaming at it saying which one of us is right. <laughs> They're probably both wrong. <laughs> but that beautiful um, ability for slippery elm to create this additional lovely sliminess which you'll know if you mix it up in water and leave it it, oh, yes. it goes really really slimy that is the sort of stuff you want to be thinking about to support your mucous membrane so mixing that up and throwing that um either in into something else you're taking or popping into a smoothie works really well that there's so many ways that you can use that and it's something that i feel comfortable with just about everyone using it's very rare that we see people have issues with that um it's it's probably my favorite sort of standout like a sort of an everyday player um there's things like aloe vera and a few other sort of sort of slippery slimy things that people can access more but that's where even again you need to be sort of talking to a practitioner because some of these things can actually be a bit triggering for other gut conditions so yeah. you know just probably, just be careful it's probably with that even
1: worth mentioning in that space at the moment as well with prebiotics being such a fucking hot topic yeah that not all like when we're talking about looking after the gut lining and obviously there's some of these different types of fibers dissolve really well but some of them you know are a bit more mucinogenic or whatever <laughs> like depending on what they're blended with and and stuff like that and to what they're mixed in with but like i think at the moment, like everyone's probably thinking they're doing the right thing for their gut and we're definitely not saying that this is the wrong thing to do because you do need prebiotic fiber in your gut mm. but if you're someone who's who's having prebiotic fibers like you have something that's got inulin in it or chicory root or mm. guar gum or xanthan gum or you know all of these all of these things that are so hot in inverted commas right now to add to every additive food thing um protein powder yeah. blah 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 like prebiotic is in everything like in a well-functioning gut these will be so beneficial for mm. like you know regulating bacterial responses and sometimes inflammation and and all that stuff but in a not so happy gut again like that's why it would just and I can't sit here and go guar gum's awesome for everyone like everyone yeah. should be putting prebiotics into their gut because prebiotics yep. are amazing and they're so beneficial for your gut bacteria but at the right time in mm. the, when the gut is ready for them and I think that's yeah that's why we're not giving you specific things mm. that you know
0: Exactly. Cause
1: it's, not a one, it's not a one size fits all with any of this.
0: That's it. It's so true. And even, I guess the other one, which often people will ask about um, and do a lot of is bone broths. Like, We've yep. talked a lot about them before and they have amazing properties. Um, you know, some of the, the sort of majors, even as amino acids that we might use in clinic, like glycine and glutamine, and thing, basically fuel that these enterocytes use or are used as sort of structural components of the mucus or mucin production. Like we can use those therapeutically, but when it comes to bone broth, these are the sort of substrates that it's rich in. And that's going to be good for most people, but we know too with dealing with chronic gut issues that sometimes these types of broths too can be triggering depending on what other ingredients are in them or if someone has histamine issues. Histamine. So just... You know, we want to share some of these with you because from the, you know, average person, they can be really beneficial. But if you do try them and they're not working for you, there's there's actually a good red flag in that. And and that's the sort of stuff you need to take to a practitioner who can help you further. Because if you if you're trying to, like, have the protein powders with the prebiotics in them or the bone broths and you're flaring up all over the place, like that's the sort of stuff that you can't just treat on your own. You know, you're just going to do your head in because everything that you read online is going to be counterproductive to what you're trying to figure out and then you're going to end up I don't know eating like Pete Evans. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not eating I'm not going to edit that out, stuff it. <laughs> <laughs> don't edit it
1: out. I love like it. <laughs> oh, good point. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I guess the point was we didn't want to freak you guys out with the gut lining stuff by making it all doom and gloom. Like, there's so much amazing, like you know, things you can do to look after your gut lining. Um, and for the, the majority of people who do have, you know, an 80% well-functioning gut, if you're including some like slippery elm or aloe vera, if it does agree with you, like again, that's you know not and a for everyone thing, but um, depending on what's going on with your gut. But if you can if you're eating a, a macro nutrient rich diverse diet in mm-hmm. terms of you're getting beautiful varieties of your gluten-free grains and your resistant starches and your potatoes and starchy veggies and some really good quality proteins and, you know, a good colourful variety of fruits and vegetables. You're getting so much of the different prebiotic fibres that you need and starches through your gut that will amazingly look after this gut lining. So don't think it's all doom and gloom and you can't, you can't look after it because you absolutely can. Pull your inflammatory triggers when you know what they are and don't live on booze and sugar, clearly. <laughs> but when it goes beyond that and you're like, well, I am trying to do all this stuff and it's not working, again, don't think it's not fixable, but that's where, you know, you want to be starting to look at, okay, I need to get some help in this area because Jess and I have just highlighted how complex it actually is. But it's not just about like at the moment, so I think there's so much focus on the gut microbiome in terms of a yeah. patholic like a bacterial point of view and a yeah. yeast point of view and a pathogenic bacteria point of view that our little gut lining is kind of has been like forgotten about a little yeah. bit. And it's the guy that it, that's the fort around it. You know, yeah. like you can have your army in there, but you need a bloody fort. <laughs> so-
0: exactly,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and a strong one.
0: <laughs> exactly. No, it's so, so true. And it's, there, there is a lot of focus in this area, but as it often can be, it's, it is quite narrow. Um, and it is important to respect the beauty of what your, your gut lining and that beautiful barrier and that mucosal lining and the immune system and all of that interplay and what it does, because it's not as, it's not always as simple as just buying the latest, um, the latest powder that's really popular for gut health and that's going to work for everyone. So yeah, I'm, I'm, we obviously both of us really hope that it helps give you a bit more of a foundation of of what's going on in this area um, and respect for it. And definitely for me, an understanding of like just how important it is in relationship to what's going on on in your body overall and why some of those more, um, sort of systemic symptoms can relate back to your gut because it's pretty freaking cool.
1: Pretty cool. And it's pretty important. I love that you use the word respect there too, because I feel like, yeah, I feel like our gut deserves like so much respect.
0: <laughs> Did you just do the like respect thing with your hand?
1: <laughs> yeah. I was just giving it a shake. Yo. Yeah, we can do that. Yo, respect yo. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Let's uh, sign
0: off. <laughs> Well, we hope you enjoyed our podcast back together for 2021. Um, As always, if you guys have any questions, just hit us up on our socials. We want you to share these episodes. It just, we just love it. It means the world. It means more people are finding the podcast. So if you can just even take the time to pop a little share in your stories on your Insta, that would be amazing. Um, and if you have the time even to leave us a review that would be even better the more reviews we have there the the better for p- other people to find us when they're scrolling through and browsing looking for podcasts and I've got to say like even over Chrissy myself like I'm a podcast junkie but geez i I kind of struggle to find podcasts similar to what we chat about if I'm wanting to kind of have a bit of a a listen to some some people talking about things in the health space but not so intensely serious or yeah. just some yeah yeah so i just feel like it's what what we're producing and putting out there is something that it is of value for other people to to hear more and have in their ears. So help us get it out there, Pete. So it, we would help really appreciate get it. Message
1: out, share. Yeah,
0: no pressure, but do it. No
1: pressure,
0: <laughs> <but> please do. <laughs> oh. But otherwise, thanks for listening as always, and we'll chat to you next time.
1: Chat soon. Bye.
0: Bye.